Reading, short and deep. Hi, I'm Jesse, and I'm Eric. And today we're reading short and deep, "The Forbidden Forest" by Clark Ashton Smith. This was first published in the Acolyte, uh, issue five, uh, from fall 1943. This was a amateur uh, fanzine. Um, the Acolyte is uh, titled after the Acolytes of H.P. Lovecraft, and uh, one of not his acolytes, but one of his peers was Clark Ashton Smith, who contributed a number of what he called prose pastels, which uh, I always tell my students is um, what we call prose poems. And prose is, I always say, is, it's the opposite of poems, but <laughs> you can make a prose poem just by making your story very poetic. And this one is certainly that. I'd be curious... To find out what you mean by poetic, I, I, I've always thought of poetry and prose as, uh, as uh, in in one way, as along an honorific continuum. It certainly can be. Um, I mean, as opposed to prose and verse. Ah, hmm. Well, I, I think mean, there's that... lots of really crummy verse. Yes, um, there is. And. And very good prose, which I think of as certainly more poetic than the crummy verse. Um, so there's really two uses of the term. Um, anyway, I, th I think in this case, pastel refers not to the particular kind of uh, chalky colored writing implement, but rather to pictures that are made using that colored chalky writing implement. Colorful so, ones. The, there, yes, but there's a certain kind of soft color because mm -hmm. it's it's chalky. It's it has a different visual texture than uh, acrylics or oils or watercolors or drawings. Uh, pastels um, they don't have well defined lines around individual objects. Mm -hmm. You know, pencils can do that. Pastels can't. Um, so uh, yes, this is I think. You're right, what we would call a prose poem, but it is, I think, what Smith wants us to understand as a slightly softened uh, manifestation of a single visual image. Mm -hmm. And in this one, the image is um, the forest, which emerges, I think, through our reading. Mm -hmm. And uh, shall we read? Reading? Would I get you to? <laughs> Uh, record, uh, record us a nice story of it, and then maybe I will we can try. talk about it after you, you tell it to us. The Forbidden Forest The child, Natha, lived with his father and mother in a little house not far from the verge of the great jungle. Every day he could see the ancient trees that were taller than ebony or mahogany and the gleaming of enormous orchids upon their matted creepers. His parents had told him that he must never venture within the jungle, for the beauty of the high palms and hanging flowers concealed a host of dreadful perils and venomous serpents and dire monsters dwelt among them. But Natha thought that nothing in the world could be so beautiful as the jungle. 
and it lured him evermore with the mystery of its infinitude, with the manifold and silent and fantastic loveliness. And he dreamt that the flowers would be fairer still and the trees more high and stately if he could see them near at hand. And the child Natha grew to love the jungle with a strange and fearful love. One day when his parents had gone on a brief journey and had given him many parting admonitions to avoid the perilous wood, Natha left the little house and crossed the open fields in which he was permitted to play and drew near to the forbidden forest. His tiny heart began to beat like a drum when the monstrous palms and liana-laden trees loomed above him, but their shadows were so cool and green and deep, and he saw so many blossoms, so many fretted ferns and lovely shapen leaves, and so many butterflies that vanished or emerged among them, and so many saffron and scarlet and azure birds that flew away with strange cries in the emerald gloom that he soon lost all memory of his parents' warning and wandered further and further following the butterflies and the birds. And Natha was very happy for a while, and he found a million things to puzzle or fascinate or please his childish mind. And he plucked many flowers only to drop them when he found others that were larger or brighter. And he loved the rich, inebriating perfume of the flowers, and he loved their pale and amber and opalescent hues. Now, after a time... Natha became tired, and he thought of his little house and his mother's care with a sudden longing, and he tried to retrace his way through the deep jungle, but he had wandered far in the emerald gloom, and all things were different and unfamiliar, and he could not find the route by which he had come. Instead, he soon lost himself among the trees that were vaster and darker than any he had yet seen, and around him were pallid blossoms, broad as moons, that poured forth a heavy wave of overpowering lethal fragrance, and Natha was a little frightened now. But as he wandered on, the scent of the flowers began to make him drowsy, and the trees grew darker and taller still, and the blossoms were huge and bright as rising suns, and he seemed to drown in their perfume as in a voluptuous tide, and Natha was no longer frightened when he fell among the blossoms, and their faces receded and faded above him as he sank down to everlasting sleep. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's, it's a kind of a fairy tale that only Clark Ashton Smith would ever consider writing. Um, what killed poor little Natha? Uh, he didn't listen to his mom and dad. There are many admonitions where, don't go into the forest. It's forbidden to you. And what does he do? Goes into the forest. And... He's enjoying himself, and he loves all these flowers, and they all smell nice. And he gathers them up in his arms, and then, oh, I, I want to go home. And he can't find his way, and he, he dies from the perfume, the lethal fragrance of the flowers, and sleeps forever. Um, it's it's kind of like uh, Hansel and Gretel without Gretel. 
or Goldilocks uh, without the, the house and the three bears. He just he just goes into the forest and he enjoys, oh, it's so wonderful, and then dies. So what do you make of this strange story, Eric? Well, I like it. Um, I, I, too, uh, thought of it as a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Um, the fairy tale that came to my mind uh, was Red Riding Hood. Sure. And, and the reason has to do with um, a, a number of things. The, the venturing into the woods because one violates an admonition of a parent is precisely what, what Red does. Um, in the oldest versions of Red Riding Hood, uh, the oldest published versions, and I'm thinking here of uh, Charles Perrault's 1697 version um, in a book of his called uh, Histories or Stories of the of Past Times, Histoire au Conte du Temps Passé, uh, we have the, the original Red Riding Hood, and that original, I mean, original published Red Riding Hood, and that original Red Riding Hood, unlike what we all come to know from Grimm mm-hmm. or from Disney, um, is one that ends in Red's death. And saying these words, the wicked wolf full, fell upon poor little Red Riding Hood and ate her all up. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's it. Then comes the moral. Um, so, you know, there's, there's some crucial differences here between, uh, Smith and, and, uh, Perrault, uh, and Smith and Grimm. One of them is that, um, there are two parents who mm-hmm. make an admonition and they leave him. Yep. Whereas in Grimm, there's one parent and Red leaves her. Mm-hmm. In this poem, in this poem, in this uh, prose pastel, um, Natha is always attracted to the forest. He's always been attracted to it. We're not told that about Red. Natha is a boy, Red is a girl. It's easy to read Red's attraction to the flowers. And I'll remind you that in the Grimm version, she stops after the wolf talks to her and says, you know, why are you going along like that so fast? She stops and looks around. He says, look at the flowers, which are the sex organs of plants after Mm -hmm. all. And she gathers them until her arms are so full, she can gather no more. Natha had been his whole life looking to the forest. And when his parents go off to do something, he goes on his own into the forest. He's not sent there. I would suggest to you that Red is a story of female sexuality. Mm-hmm. She goes from the fertile mother to the grandmother, past fertility presumably, and she goes with this red cape of hers that everyone knows her, her by it. Mm-hmm. This is this is Minarch. She is now coming into sexuality. Mm-hmm. In Perrault's version, she gets stopped by her attraction by the wolf gets eaten up and it's all over in the grim version. The woodsman arranges for her to come out again. And she says, I'll never go into the forest again, as long as my mother forbids it. So I'm asking what was the the brief absence that Natha's parents were going to take that led him to be alone, to go into the forest that he had always sort of seen there but it had always been forbidden to him. And I'd like to suggest, metaphorically, that Nath's parents were going to go off and have sex. Huh. 
<laughs> yeah, they went on and a brief he, journey, is what we're exactly, told. exactly. They went off on a brief journey, left him alone, and instead of him always saying, "Yeah, what are they doing in that room? What are they doing in that room?" They're saying to him, "Okay, we're going into the room now. <laughs> Just don't go into the forest. Meaning, don't look and see what's happening. Mm. You know, in the woods that are dark and deep, right?" So, but they're gone. So he goes in and just like red, he gathers flowers and goes from one to the other as they get bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. But he wants to join with this. And I would, you know, I, I know you often do such interesting research, um, both in finding our, uh, our works to discuss and in our discussions of them. Did you happen to come upon Natha? I didn't. I did. I do know that Nath um, is uh, Irish for poem, which I would guess that Clark, Clark Ashton Smith has the most extraordinary vocabulary. It is actually not as extraordinary in this one because I think it's supposed to be simplistic in a certain sense. But he is unbelievably well researched in vocabulary. Like he, he exceeds Lovecraft. So. Um, what do you what do you know about Natha? Natha turns out to be a sub variant of Hinduism. Oh, okay, yeah, I, I I recognize that. I just didn't know how it would connect. Well, here's how it connects. This particular sub variant, which the majority of Hindus apparently look upon as heterodox, is one in which, through certain applications of the uh, of of more widely distributed disciplines like Hatha Yoga, mm -hmm. one is able, okay, I hope you're sitting down and at your, on, by your desk now. Yep. Okay. One is able to become one with the world. Now, you can see the appeal of this. Hinduism comes out of this older um, religions in which there is the idea of becoming a tirtankara, a making of the crossing, to get out of the cycle of death and rebirth mm -hmm. and ultimately become in nirvana, just part of the universe itself. What happens to Natha here is what an adept of Natha, also known as Nath, um, would want to have happen, to become so intoxicated mm. by one's attention to the world one so attends to it, lets it so permeate one, that one, in fact, becomes one with it. Mm -hmm. And then one sinks down, but in the case of uh, Tirtankara, rises up um, to everlasting sleep. In, in Red Riding Hood, where sexuality is no longer an explicit issue, right? The, the mother is not having a father. There are no siblings. She's still sexually active, but she's out of the game. Grandma is not sexually active. Red is coming into sexual activity. In the Forbidden Forest, sex is there. It's what is attractive. But if you really give yourself up to a world of sensuosity, which is gorgeously, I think, conveyed by the, the prosody in this in this piece of prose, mm -hmm. that is the poetic devices, the use of alliteration, the rhythm within the sentences. Mm -hmm. um, if you give yourself up to that and truly feel with all of your senses, you don't die. 
you transcend. And that becomes the everlasting sleep. I think it is a an Eastern take on a Western that we have been used to seeing in a Western way. Mm. We've been used to seeing it as a story for girls. Mm-hmm. And this is a story for people. Yeah, I was I was thinking there was a, a, a it, it was a lot like um, Goldilocks, and except he's the boy, right? He disobeys the parent. He instead of going, uh, staying in the yard, he goes into the forest. He gets lost in the forest. Um, but the death is actually, and I'm calling it a death uh, because you know I'm interpreting it. But it says everlasting sleep. <laughs> but uh, I want to read that last stanza, uh, stanza <laughs> paragraph again uh, because <laughs> it's interesting and it's different. And there's a word repeated that's or a phrase repeated uh, in it that was in on the first page um, in the second stanza that I thought was interesting. Um, now, after a time, Natha became tired, and he thought of the little home and his mother. Th- that word "little" is actually used earlier with regard to his heart. Uh, and his mother's care with a sudden longing. And he tried to retrace his way through the deep jungle. And so this is the part that made me think of, of um, uh, Hansel and Gretel. And the way I always think of Hansel and Gretel is it's two paths through the forest to retrace their way to home. The first one being with white stones, and the second one uh, is with breadcrumbs that get eaten. Um, here, he didn't do that. He didn't mark his his trail with a you know a little cro- marking an X on a tree or anything. He's much more like uh, Goldilocks in it, just wildly walking free of free and innocent. So rewinding here, um, <laughs> and he thought of his little home and his mother's care, and with uh, with a sudden longing, and he tried to retrace his way through the deep jungle. But he had wandered far in the emerald gloom, and that's that emerald gloom. That's in the second sta- uh, second paragraph, <laughs> and right. all things were different and unfamiliar. So this is interesting. In his going into the forest, everything's colorful, and when he retraces his steps or tries to, things change. Things are different. Things are unfamiliar. I think it's because it's night, and he could not find the route by which he had come. Instead, he soon lost himself among the trees that were vaster and darker than they had yet, uh, than he himself could, oh my God, and unfamiliar, and he could not find the route by which he had come. Instead, he soon lost himself among the trees that were vaster and darker than any had yet he had yet seen, I'm losing myself among the trees here, and around <laughs> him were pallid blossoms, broad as moons, that poured forth a heavy wave of overpowering, lethal fragrance. That's a great line. Um, perf- we had, in the previous paragraph, we had inebriating perfume. Here we have lethal fragrance. And Natha was a little frightened now. But as he wandered on, the scent of the flowers began to make him drowsy. And 
The trees grew darker and taller still, and the blossoms were huge and bright as the rising as rising suns, and he seemed to drown in their perfume, as in a voluptuous tide. And Natha was no longer frightened when he fell among the blossoms, and their faces receded and faded above him as he sank down to everlasting sleep. It's 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 almost all imagery, but in the behavior, this isn't horror. Even though there's lots of frightful things in the forest, right? The forbidden forest, perilous, venomous, fearful, perilous, monstrous. All these things are, to him, delightful. Um, so I was thinking it, it is kind of like a sexuality story. It's the little death he's having here, <laughs> except yeah. it's a permanent one. And it isn't a jungle beast that kills him. It's the it's the flowers. It's the scents of those flowers and the night scents, and the it, they inebriate, intoxicate. He gathers them up and he abandons the ones that are he thinks are wonderful for ones that are even more wonderful. So he's, he's his parents aren't you know don't go into the woods. There's bears in there. They're like, don't go into the woods. Many admonitions, but they don't explain why. And that's that's why I see it as being like Red Riding Hood, because the sexuality is so so strong, a mm-hmm. parallel to the access of knowledge. She sees she wears the red cape. She sees red flowers. She sees flowers. She gathers more and more and she'll never be able to come out again. Unless some man is able to intervene and give her the opportunity. In the Perot version, there's no man, no intervention. The woman is forever dead to the world because she's got sex but no man. Mm-hmm. Nice Victorian telling of the tale. <laughs> in, right, in Smith's version of the story, what's going on? You know, what is that stuff in the woods? Mm-hmm. I see it's over there someplace. And it's attractive. I'm allowed Exactly. What are these feelings I'm having, Eric? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And once he gets in there, once he goes from flower to bigger flower to bigger flower, Mm -hmm. it's only when he has exhausted the possibilities, the sensuous possibilities, that he then thinks of his mother's care. Oh, yeah, you know, it was kind of nice when I was a kid. Yeah, and it's getting cold in this forest, you know. (laughs) Yeah, but there's no going back to being a kid. No. Once you've had, that's it. You know, your virginity is gone. Your virginity is gone. You can stop having sex, but you can't be an unvirgin, right? I mean, you can't go back to being a virgin. So it's over. But in the Eastern tradition, that's not something that kills you. Hmm. That's something that can elevate you because you can come to feel more and more potently all of the facts of the world. So... Uh, this little death that he feels at first becomes not a permanent death, but rather a permanent stillness because he shares the energy of everything mm. in that in that final sleep. It's 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 not as you say it's it's not a horror story. No, right? I mean, if you say, well, he 
fell down to eternal sleep, I mean, Dracula is going to get back into that coffin every single day. He can't face the sun. That's a terrible thing. You wouldn't want to become a vampire. That's why, even though it promises eternal life, everybody, most everybody in most of the versions resists becoming a vampire. But but Natha doesn't resist this. I mean, he, you know, he gets it as much as he can. And then, uh, what about, you know, there were some good things in the past. Let me reconsider those. But turns out the past is only the past. And uh, that's a very mature way to look at it. Is. How you deal with these changes of life. Yeah. I, I, I like this Smith story <laughs> a lot. Yeah, he's good. I, I want to point out um, the only flower, you know, many, many, many flowers mentioned in the story, as in blossoms. But the only specific kind of flower mentioned is the orchid. And that is one that is has bilateral symmetry. It looks like things, like little monkeys or little insects or butterflies or vaginas, right? It looks like, right. it looks like things that are like humans. Um, this is a jungle, not a forest, despite the title, right? And so the colors, the birds and the butterflies, no bees mentioned, um, draw him in. The colors, this emerald gloom is both delightful and scary. Uh, it, is a, it is the perfume that draws him in. And it isn't the beasts of the jungle. It isn't the hidden thing within him. It is the jungle itself. It is. It is. Uh, orchids, um, I remember reading somewhere that there's some bizarre number, like 20,000 oh, yeah. or 30,000 varieties of orchids. I don't know that they, they all look like vulvas, but um, there certainly is a profusion of orchids, and they certainly are traditionally very attractive to mm -hmm. us. Um, there is another... And in that sense, it's you know, that's a, a a subset of all plants. There's another. There are other things here that are mentioned as well, though, mm -hmm. that are subsets. Uh, palms, for instance. Mm -hmm. So we know we're tropical. Mm -hmm. um, if Mahogany you think of, and ebony are called out, but they're not there in the jungle. They're taller than ebony, and taller than mahogany. Right, which Although are African forests. Uh, uh, ebony is an African wood, so it's a jungle. It's a right. jungle. It's uh, it. Despite the title, the forest makes it European. The jungle makes it non-European. Right, and the word jungle appears in the text itself. Mm -hmm. um, and we have these hanging flowers and the liana-laden treetops. Mm. And a liana is also a kind of plant mm -hmm. um, known by its behavior. Not It's not a particular subset. Uh, this or all orchids are related to each other. Mm -hmm. Not all lianas are related to each other any more than all trees are related to each other. Um, liana is a woody vine that grows up on things that otherwise would grow up, mm -hmm. um, like trees in order to get up to where they themselves can get light. And in the process, the liana often kills what it, um, what it climbs up. It's a, it's a kind of vine. It's a woody vine. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, there, there are many, many different lianas. That's what's going on here. When you get into this forest, this jungle, 
you see how the more active and newer parasitize the older and established and ultimately become one with it. So to the observer, it's just liana-laden trees. But to the tree, it is now forever associated with the liana, and the liana can only truly become everlasting if it's on the tree. And Natha can only become everlasting if he gives himself up to the forest. He has a hesitation. Oh, there's mom. But as long as I can't find my way out, mm-hmm. well, no, might as well do this. <laughs> what do you think of that attitude? I mean, the, the poetry in here, yeah. the gleaming of enormous orchids upon, I mean, listen to the alliteration, right? Mm-hmm. The gleaming of enormous orchids upon their matted creepers, right? I mean, it's just, the language is just so so gorgeous. Is. Is, is, is that a way of telling us that it's natural mm-hmm. to be seduced? Oh, yeah. Or is it a way of showing us how one could be seduced? Is it is this forbidden forest telling us don't worry about the forbidden because ultimately this is this is wonderful or is it telling us but of course it's only wonderful if you're willing to sleep for your whole life um i think you know clark ashton smith is is the most sexual of all the weird tales authors he really enjoyed um putting sexual imagery into his stories and here it is a it's an embrace it's a giving in and it isn't it is it's scary but it's it's fine it's 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 uh, intoxicating so when it says anatha was very happy for a while and he found a million things to puzzle mm-hmm. or fascinate or please his childish mind is that supposed to be a good thing or is it hey wait a minute that's a childish mind it's the appreciation of the thing that attracted to him, it, to him, the what he was attracted to by the forest in the first place. Uh, one of the words that, uh, in the first sentence is verge. He, he lived on the verge, right? Yes. So it's it's not just the edge of of the forest. He's on the verge of becoming something else. Indeed, and virgin is is not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well. It's wonderful. It looks like it's just the story of a kid who wanders off and falls asleep. But in fact, there's always more to say. Thanks very much for listening. And remember, you can always freely access the materials discussed on these podcasts by going to sffaudio.com and clicking on the link for Reading Short and Deep. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash SFF audio.